Welcome to PCA One-on-One, Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. And now here's your host, Jim Thompson, PCA founder and CEO. Hi, I'm very excited to welcome to PCA One-on-One Interviews, uh, Irene Vandezande. Uh, Irene, uh, 25 years ago, started uh, a great organization called Kid Power that Positive Coaching Alliance has partnered with. Um, she is, let me see, a community organizer, a child development expert, a social entrepreneur, a writer, written many books, a leader, an activist for empowering kids, uh, a valued partner of PCA, a, a member of Positive Coaching Alliance National Advisory Board, and a a very good friend. Irene, it's so great to uh, have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's great so to let's be here. Get, let's get started with, um, I, uh, you know, I've heard you tell a story before, maybe more than one time, and it's just riveting. How did Kid Power get started? How did you get involved with this? Well, in 1985, when my own kids were young, I took a field trip of eight young children into downtown Santa Cruz. And in the middle of the day, with people standing all around, a man uh, suddenly started saying that he was going to kidnap the kids that I had with me. I stopped him by yelling and by ordering a bystander to help. Um, But uh, the experience left me with a lot of fear. So I took a self-defense class for myself, and then I realized I could not be with my kids all the time. So I wanted them to know how to be safe. And as I looked at the programs available at that time, they were very frightening or they took a very long time or they had a lot of lecture but not a lot of skills. And so I gathered with law enforcement officers and uh, uh, martial artists and mental health experts and teachers and parents to start to develop programs that would be empowering, safe, and fun for kids. At first it was just kids and then teens, and eventually it became everybody. Uh, and, and we incorporated it as a nonprofit in 1989. Fantastic. Um, let's talk about empowering kids. Uh, I think a lot of people, um, you know, just like they're kids, what can they do? But um, there's a lot of things they can do that, and that can be taught. So to tell, talk us a little bit about what... Kid Power does with kids at various ages to help them protect themselves from adults who don't necessarily have their best interests at heart. Well, issues are with with both adults. Kids can be harmed by adults and by kids, of course. Yep. And the first thing we teach kids is to use their awareness. And even from a very young age, we can uh, teach children to notice what's happening around them. They do notice, but we can encourage them to notice and to honor their feelings, that uh, their feelings are important, even if we have to do things that they don't like. They still have the right to their feelings. And we can teach them at a, at a very young age, even as young as three, with puppets, how to set boundaries. And as they get older, we have them do the same practices with people, how to say no and stop, how to leave an unsafe situation, and then how to be very, very persistent in getting help from busy adults. So you, um, let's talk about the persistence part. Um, 
I remember you told me a story once about you know what 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 you can teach kids on the playground. So so a, a, a young boy or girl is uh, being harassed by another kid on the playground, and they often go to the teacher who's on charge, and the teacher will say like, "Oh, stop whining." Um, what yeah. do you teach kids? Uh, to do when you get that kind of response from an adult who should be looking out for you? Well, first of all, we teach them. We tell them instead of going and telling on somebody, they're going to make a report about a safety problem. People sometimes say you, you get kids to talk not like kids, but what they mean is don't sound whiny or helpless. So we teach kids to use a regular voice, to sound powerful and strong. We think that Kids can do that. We know kids can do that. And then we coach them so that they, uh, and we give them challenges so that an adult will say, don't be a tattletale or go solve it yourself. And we teach them to say, we tried to solve it ourselves. These are the things we tried and it didn't work. You're the adult in charge. We need your help. And if that doesn't work, because we really act as if uh, our teachers will act like very, very impatient, distracted adults. Uh, then we teach them to say, look, my parents told me to come to you if I had a safety problem. I have the right to be safe at school, and it's your job to help me. I, I love that phrase, I have the right to be safe at school. Exactly. And, and um, I also think that I want to make a report. That's just... That's just brilliant. I mean, as opposed to teacher, Johnny's, you know, bullying me. Right. We, we teach kids to say we have a safety problem or I have a safety problem. Not that, that, and we even show kids the difference between whining and we have them all go, teacher. And I say, what's that? And they'll say, whining. And I say, is that <laughs> annoying? And they say, yes. And I say, do you even sound annoying to yourself? And they say, yes. If I say, you're going to use a regular voice. And we practice the difference between being passive, aggressive, and assertive, whether it's in setting boundaries and saying, stop, I don't like that, uh, or in asking for help. And also we teach them to be positive and powerful when they are asking to do something, such as to join a game. Irene, you have a, a really uh, – so many great books, but uh, one in particular I want to talk about is um, – it's a uh, uh, I, we used to call it a comic book. It's Now they call it a graphic, graphic book. Um, <laughs> one Strong Move, a cartoon illustrated introduction to teaching self-defense. And um, talk about that phrase, one strong move. In fact, at the bottom of the book, I'm looking at it right now, it says, one strong move stops most attacks. Talk about what that one strong move might be. Well, in a variety of situations, the one strong move might be different. One strong move can be pushing away somebody's hand who's trying to touch you inappropriately. In fact, there was a very powerful news story about a girl where this teacher had molested a bunch of kids, but he didn't molest her because when he tried, she pushed his hand away. It was one strong move. One strong move can be leaving, walking away. Um, it can be, you know, Jonathan Martin finally made one strong move when he left rather than staying in an unsafe situation. And, uh, and, and we use that as, as an example for kids. And even somebody really big and strong can be bullied, 
and can make a choice to leave and to get help. So the one strong move can be shouting. It can, if you're in a situation where you're in danger, it can be hitting and kicking to get away from somebody to stop that person from harming you. I want to. I want to. I do want to talk about Jonathan Martin and Richie Incognito in a second. But um, let's go back to a kid on the playground, and um, you know, if somebody is coming towards you, um, I, again, I'm looking at the cover of this book, and I. I I went through the, you know, your your full power, uh, not exactly martial arts, but your physical uh, training that you did, which was fabulous. Um, but you get the, the the kids have their hands up and they're saying no. Um, can you just describe what that 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 motion sure. is? It, yes, you've got your hands in in front of you. Your, your elbows are down. Your your hands are are facing outward, uh, maybe at chest level, uh, as if you were touching a wall. You've got one leg back so that your body's in balance as if you've just stopped walking. And so that we call this the ready position. You're ready to leave. You're ready to set a boundary. And you are ready to hit somebody if you have to. We do scenarios such as maybe being uh, trapped in a room, maybe the bathroom. Often kids get, uh, uh, you know, kids that are bullying them block the door to get out of the bathroom. And we have them practice getting into ready position and shouting something like, stop, go away, leave me alone. And I'm not going to shout here right now, but shouting um, shouting for help, saying, Johnny's bothering me, and he's, or a bigger kid's bothering me. He's wearing blue pants and a red shirt. And it's amazing how once kids start yelling out descriptions of what's happening, uh, that uh, they, and we might have them practice yelling, get the teacher, uh, that, the ch- that the child who's bothering them will run away. Because that, the that's really interesting about, it, about the, des- the description of what they're wearing. That's, that's powerful. Yes, it, 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 you're no longer anonymous. Uh, attackers want privacy and they want control. And uh, because they don't want other people to see what's happening and report it or stop it, and they want control so that they can dominate the person that they are attacking. So one of the one of the barriers to shouting out like that, you know, putting your hands up like you're going to push somebody away and and saying no or stop, is you might feel weird. You might feel funny. Like, what are people going to think of me? It it is. It's it's like I I tell people sometimes it's like putting on a suit of clothes you'd never wear normally, and now you're you're wearing it, and and, uh, so it feels awkward at first. Uh, Any new behavior feels awkward, but it's amazing how once you've practiced something and practiced how it just becomes natural. You just put your hands up and in front of you, and you are, uh, and and you don't even think about it. Uh, you'll find yourself doing it when you're needing to set verbal boundaries. One of our board members talked about a, a client who just started screaming and yelling at him, and he found himself in ready position, not because he was going to hit this customer, this customer, but because he was going to protect himself and stay calm and centered and try to de-escalate the situation. It just reminded him to be ready with his mind and, and his spirit along with his body. You know, I, I did a, a podcast interview for this series recently with uh, 
uh, a man named Ken Revisa, who's a sports psychology professor at Cal State Fullerton. And one of his lines, working with elite athletes, he works with Olympic athletes and uh, Major League Baseball, et cetera. He said, feeling good is overrated, that if you feel like you have to be in the zone, if you have to feel good before every practice, I mean, before every game, um, there are going to be times when you're not. And, you know, great athletes produce even when they feel bad. And I was just thinking about what he said there in regard to what you just said, that um, feeling comfortable is overrated. If you're if you're being bullied, if you're in a dangerous situation, then you should, you, you need to be, feel uncomfortable to to get help. Yes, well, and we also teach people, you know, we teach kids not only do they have the right to be safe and treated with respect, but they also have the responsibility to act safely and respectfully towards others. And sometimes that means enduring discomfort, too, to stay in charge of your body, your words, um, your, your facial expressions, no matter how you feel inside that you are going to make safe and wise and respectful choices. And even if you're disappointed or angry at somebody or feel like uh, they, they were insulting to you, you can still be in charge. So we practice that, and I, and I agree with you. Being, We say that uh, it's, it's not our job to make you comfortable, it's, it's in, and often learning requires being uncomfortable and acting the way that is going to get you what you want anyway. And persevering through discomfort helps you. It sounds like uh, both in, in mastering a sport, but it's also in mastering yourself uh, in life. You know, I took um, I took your full power workshop. I think it was like four hours long, and uh, I think you may remember uh, I, I told you that I was just going to go and and you know stay there for a few minutes to see how it went. And I got so engaged, I stayed for the entire time. It was either four hours or six hours, and it was time incredibly well spent. <clears throat> and um, the, I think it was Mike Stevens and Erica Leonard who did it, and they just did a fabulous mm-hmm. job. Um, and one of the things Mike did is he. Um, he um, he would harass people. Like each of us in the class would would we'd be walking in a mall or in a parking structure or something, and he would be harassing us. And it was our job to walk past him to where we were going. And what came up was that he would say things like, "Hey, you know, you're being rude to me." Um, and our natural tendency was to say, "Oh no, no, I don't. I'm not being rude." which then engages him and, and encourages him and that whole idea of, uh, you just said it, it's not my job to make you, you're harassing me, it's not my job to make you feel comfortable, and yet that often gets us into trouble because we feel like we want to be, we don't want anybody to think we're we're being rude. Yes, I, I often, uh, especially women, are socialized to be nice. Men too, but especially women. And kids are always told, be nice. Uh, what I tell people is that I believe and I want them to be respectful. That's not the same as being nice. And you can be respectful and powerful at the same time. But I want having being nice, and I especially say this to adults, to become a decision rather than an automatic habit. Because out of the desire to not be rude and to act nice, you can get yourself into a dangerous situation. There are people that take advantage of that. Yeah, you know, I uh, there's a um I don't know if you saw the uh the movie The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. 
Uh, there's mm-hmm. a, there's um, uh, a Swedish version of the movie, and then there's an American one. And in the Swedish version of the movie, or maybe it's an American one. I, I get them mixed up now, but um, mm-hmm. at the end, um, the main character uh, is, uh, and I think it's played by the the guy who plays James Bond in the American one. He's in this guy's house, and he's figured out that this guy is the killer. <clears throat> and before he can get out of the house, the guy comes home, and he's leaving by the back door, and the guy sees him, and he says, hey, why don't you come inside? And he comes inside even though he knows this guy is a serial killer. Um, mm. And and then the guy gets him in a, you know, you know, in a bad situation, and the guy says, you know, you knew that who I was, and you came in anyway. I asked you to come in nicely, and you did it. And that that idea that we, you know, we, we it's so ingrained in us that, uh, you know, we've got to be polite to people, even when it puts our puts us at risk. Right, and and child predators will really take advantage of that desire to be polite and wanting to be liked. Uh, with with kids um, with sexual abuse, they will really take advantage of of a child uh, being told, "Don't be rude. Do what adults tell you." And that's why it's so important that adults not only empower kids by giving them skills, but also protect kids by knowing what to do. And one thing that I just love the project that we did with the uh, with the videos on protecting youth athletes from sexual abuse because it was educating adults about what they needed to know as well as what they needed to teach their kids. One one big um working with with you on uh, those sexual abuse prevention materials and videos uh was just really a highlight for me. I learned so much and one big idea of kid power is no secrets. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what what you mean by that? Well, what we and mean why that's is, so important. Yes. Well, whether it's bullying or it's abuse, uh, child mal or neglect, child maltreatment thrives in secrecy because when kids don't uh, believe that they can get help from adults, they might not even realize completely that what's happening with them is unsafe. And they will buy into the reality that of going along with it, whether it's adults or if it's tolerating bad treatment for kids. And by keeping it a secret, then they, um, then they are alone. They feel ashamed. They feel as if the problems that are happening are their fault. They blame themselves, and it can lead to adverse childhood experiences. The Center for Disease Control did a big study about how adverse childhood experiences can lead to an enormous host of problems that you're much more likely to have as an adult, everything ranging from obesity to smoking to heart disease to you name it, diabetes, Uh, and it was related to those stressors in childhood. And that burden of being alone and uh, carrying a, a, a big secret, it so it deprives you of help and it leaves you isolated. And that's why we teach uh, parents to tell their kids and all adults around kids to tell them that problems should not be secrets. And if you have a safety problem, I really want to know and I will do everything in my power to help you. Because kids need to hear that message over and over again from different adults. And, and, and I, I will not 
I will not punish you for it. Exactly. I will not punish you for it, even if I'm too busy, even if you made a mistake, even if uh, somebody we care about will be upset. I still want to know. Yeah, I think uh, that, that we, no we speak. Think, yeah, go ahead. We, we have a difference between, you know, the kind of, because as kids like secrets, uh, and as they get older, you can talk about the kind of, of harmless secrets that don't hurt anybody, uh, that aren't about, you know, that, you know, that it might be what, what, uh, uh, what animal you wish you could have, that kind of secrets, but not the kind of secrets where anyone is going to get hurt or that, uh, or where somebody is being hurt. And, and you're not talking about it. Or even a secret where you're placed in an uncomfortable situation. Exactly. Like somebody touching you, you know, and maybe maybe your coach or, you know, a friend of the family or whatever is touching you in a way that maybe isn't, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a starter as opposed to, you know, really abuse. And, you know, just I think for a kid to be able to say, hey, I'm not comfortable with that. And I love the idea of a kid saying, you know, if a, if a uh, you know, a, a predator, uh, you know, one of the ways they, they groom kids is by uh, giving them special privileges and stuff. And for the, for the kid to say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell my parents about this because, you know, thank you for the gift. I'm going to tell my parents because in our family, we have no secrets. That can be just a, that can be a, a signal to the predator that he better leave that kid alone. Exactly. We say touch should not be a secret, presence should not be a secret, special activities should not be a secret, and of course problems should not be a secret. And, and you're absolutely right, saying thank you and I, I'm going to tell, talk about it because I'm excited about it and we don't keep secrets uh, can be a huge uh, prevention. It, it, it creates a climate in which it's much harder for bullying and abuse and harassment to grow. So let's uh, let's talk a little. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I, I was going to say something about harassment, but I think you might be getting there. No, go ahead. Say what you're going to say, Irene. Well, I just wanted to say that I was so pleased to see PCA take a a no tolerance stand against hazing. Uh, because I feel like so many times people make excuses for abusive behavior in the name of uh, of camaraderie or of uh, of it's just a joke, uh, and I was uh, really inspired to see how the, the leadership you're taking truly can help to change our culture because we have such a culture where we allow things like that to happen. And there is a correlation between that kind of behavior. Tolerating mistreatment can also make you more vulnerable to abuse. Yes. So let's talk about physical force. You uh, you mentioned earlier on, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's a time when, when, a, when a kid or a, an adult who's feeling threatened um, you know, gets in a ready position, one of the things that that person may do out of that ready position is kick or hit. And, you know, there's, there's kind of this feeling like we're teaching kids to hit and kick. Could you, um, could you address that? Sure. You know, when we started in 1989, a lot of people said, you're, you're going to do what? Uh, and I said, well, I, you know, kids will, they said kids will misuse. 
the learning how to hit and kick and jab somebody in the eye. And I said, I think kids are smarter than that. We'll have them practice leaving before they practice fighting. And we'll have them promise that they will only use these physical self-defense skills when they cannot leave and they cannot get help and they are in danger. And uh, it has been, we have not had a single report, having trained thousands upon thousands of children, teens, and adults, not as, including people with developmental disabilities, not one single report of somebody misusing a skill. Um, most of the time they do leave because they have the confidence to leave because they've got a backup plan. They know they can hit somebody if they need to. And then when they do hit that one strong move, you know, hitting usually it's one hit and the person is running away or down on the ground and they're able to escape and get help. It, you know, it kind of goes against the grain of like sort of the the, the Hollywood idea that you know a, a bully can say you know if you if you fight back I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you even more. But um, I, I I thought what you just said was really powerful that uh, when a kid knows he ha he or she has the ability to strike out against someone who is trying to harm them, there's a there's a self confidence there. That's exactly right. You've got. You've got a backup plan, right? Uh, so somebody says, I'll, I'll hurt you if you say anything. Well, you can lie. We do teach kids to lie to get out of a situation. They're going to go tell an adult they trust as soon as they can, but we say you have the right to lie to be safe uh, and, uh, but you're, and, and to not tell the truth. Uh, so they might uh, and to make promises you won't keep. So they might say, of course I won't tell anybody. But then they go and they get help, and they do tell. But uh, when somebody says, I'll, you know, just uh, let me do whatever I want and I'll, or I'll beat you up, we teach them to pull away, to leave, and if they need to hit somebody or jab them in the eye, kick them in the shin if it's a bullying technique or uh, kick them between the legs if it's a more dangerous situation, that, uh, that they can. Practicing these skills is enormously empowering for, for people who are normally considered vulnerable, be they children or, um, or women or, um, or older people, uh, and, and men too. It's amazingly empowering to practice dealing with uh, somebody being very um, attacking and threatening towards you and to hold your ground or to leave, and then if you have to fight, to do that and to get away. What one of the big takeaways I I got from your full power uh you know physical um uh, protection workshop um was and, and you mentioned this earlier about awareness like is there you're aware and you're looking ahead uh of where you're going and it's like if you have a concern that there's danger there the best thing to do is not go into that situation and we make we maybe feel like well i got to i got to you know i got to pick up that that uh, you know gift for someone or i got to get the you know my dry cleaning or whatever and it's just crazy that that guy who's between me and there would keep me from doing that but no it's crazy is putting yourself in a position where somebody can harm you exactly that's exactly right. You teach people. We teach people to change your plan. 
and to put your safety first or to put the safety of your kids first. And we teach kids to put their safety first ahead of embarrassment, inconvenience, or offense. Um, and that's easy to say but hard to do because most people hate to be embarrassed or to embarrass most other people. They hate to be bothered when they're busy or, uh, and they hate to change the plan about you know, doing whatever they were planning to get done. And um, they don't want to offend people. So knowing that those powerful feelings can get in the way of your safety and making a choice to put safety first anyway can make a huge difference, not only for protecting yourself, but also for protecting your kids. You know, uh, you mentioned that the, the uh, child predators, and unfortunately we live in a world where there are people who are looking for kids to um, to abuse. And, um, you know, one of the, I think, uh, the the series of videos and, and handouts that, that Kid Power and PCA together uh, created, I'm really proud of them because I feel like they they give parents and uh, leaders of youth sports organizations ways to really cut down the opportunities child predators have. Um, and, um, you know, can you talk about, uh, how parents should respond if they are have any kind of concern about, say, their kid's coach or their, you know, their scout leader or uh, you know the minister, any any person who is making them uncomfortable about their kids' kid safety. What should what should they do there? Well, and it could also even be another family member or anyone that worries you. Well, first of all, you pay, you know, you're paying attention, you're listening to your child, make sure you understand what's going on. When your child tells you something, you stay calm. Because if adults act upset, kids are likely to take back their story. Uh, they don't want to upset, especially their parents, but they don't want to upset adults they care about. So you listen and you say, thank you for telling me. Uh, and then you, uh, it, depending on what it was, if it's a crime, you report it. You call the police. You call Child Protective Services. If it's something where it's uh, uh, not something that's, oh, that you're clear as a crime, but maybe, maybe as, as we show in the video, a coach asking, uh, uh, saying to a child, uh, don't mention it, and the child thought that, that uh, he was being told to keep a secret. Then you go and you find a, uh, a, a private time. You say, I want to talk to you. I have a concern. And you, and you thank the, this coach or this other person who's doing great things for your kid for the great things they do and say, I have a concern about uh, something that my child said to me or about something that I noticed that happened. And you, uh, and you, you ask them to address the concern. If you're not satisfied with the answer, then you want to go up the chain of command. That might be the youth sports leaders uh, in, uh, with a team, or it might, be, uh, it might be in a school, the head of school or the principal. But you go up the chain of command until you feel satisfied that your child is safe and that your concern has been, uh, has been heard and that uh, the, the Either it's been cleared up, or that it's not going to happen again, or both. Yeah, that's great. Um, the um, you know the, the term grooming is used, where a um, a predator will 
uh, you know, gradually increase, uh, you know, maybe touching. Um, and it seems like one of the one of the things a predator is doing with the grooming is finding out is is any adult looking out for this kid? And you know, so if, if you um, you know, if 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 nobody raises any objections, then uh, like wow, this is this kid is you know is available to me, which it seems like that's one reason why why parents should not be afraid, as you say, about asking questions and expressing concerns. I love that language. You know, I have a concern. I I appreciate all the time you're putting into you know coaching my uh, my child and the team, but I have a concern that that can that can cause a a child predator to back off. Is that right? Yes, and uh, to know that your child is protected, and it can, and it can also many times people do things that are abusive to kids without. There's the intentional child predators. They're very clever. They won't abuse your child, but they might abuse another child. But then there are the people who cross kids' boundaries in ways that are abusive or they're thoughtless, and they can become educated about how to um, how to treat kids respectfully and, and still be in charge. Sometimes uh, adult leaders don't stop abusive behavior, say, on a team by other team members or in a school by other kids at, by other kids at the school. And that is also a form of adult leadership that's essential, so you need to address that too. Um, there's a chilling book called Conversations with a Pedophile where a man was being interviewed when he was in jail for having molested about a thousand different boys. He did it through their church groups. He, uh, he created relationships. He would do something like swear. And then he'd say, oh, I said a bad word. Please don't tell your parents because then I couldn't do fun things with you anymore. And he chose the kids that agreed not to tell their parents. He was, um, his advice to parents was to pay attention and to listen to your kids and to know what you're doing, which is exactly what uh, what we say to parents on our video, right? Yeah, that's great. Let, let, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about um, the Jonathan Martin Richie incognito situation. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, I've read a lot of commentary about it and people on blogs commenting and stuff, and it's like Jonathan Martin is, you know, 6'6 six, six, six and weighs, you know, more than 300 pounds, and, like, why didn't he just punch him in the mouth? Um, what, what, why is someone who's so physically strong, uh, you know, who's, who we would think would not be able to be bullied? Can you talk a little bit about the, the, the dynamics of being bullied that, I mean, in one sense, I feel like it's really empowering for us to see that a really strong person can be bullied. It could happen to anybody. That's exactly right. In fact, we are now using, uh, uh, we, we are telling, if you can imagine, we, one of our center directors in Chicago, Joe, and Joe's got a seven-three black belt in Taekwondo and is also a kid power instructor, and he was with some middle school boys who are being bullied. And he used Jonathan Martin as an example of here's somebody who's big and strong and successful and smart and really great at what he does, and yet he was vulnerable because he was in a situation where um, he was less powerful because of his position on the team, and he was available 
and he was uh, he he really didn't he wanted to make things work. He didn't want to get into fights, and um, and so he became a target. It wasn't his fault, but he he was selected as a target. And it took a lot of guts for him to finally walk away from uh, from a team. That's a hard thing to do, and to speak up. And in doing that, I, I really hope he knows that he has empowered a lot of, of young boys who um, were thinking that because they were weak, that's why they were being bullied, because they weren't as physically strong. There's a, so there's many kinds of power. It is, bullying is about a power imbalance, but it can be about position or prestige or about uh, economics or, um, or just somebody being, you know, able to organize a group better than you are. Somebody who's a little more quiet can become overpowered. And there is, it, it really was a predatory pattern where they selected somebody who was vulnerable and available and dominated him through intense verbal uh, bullying, physical bullying, cyber bullying. And then when he set a boundary, shunned him. And, of course, when you're part of a team, you really want to belong. And then they, uh, the, the, the last stage of escape, they basically, you know, dis- dismissed what he said, distanced themselves, denied responsibility, and sent buddy emails to, to, to him after he, he left. Uh, and so it was a way of trying to escape responsibility for what had happened. So yeah, one of the it, things it was a lot that that's that's there in terms of classic bullying. You know, I think the NFL did a really uh, good job of uh, you know hiring a really good consultant to look into this, and the consultant uh, hired a you know a psychologist, I guess. And and one of the things I think that Richie Incognito was was basing his um, you know his hope on and to 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 be found innocent here was that um, Jonathan Martin was friendly to him and he had all kinds of text messages and stuff where Jonathan Martin was trying to be his friend. Um, but but that, that report really showed that that was just because somebody being bullied tries to be, be friendly to the bullier doesn't make it not a bullying situation. Yes. Because I mean, sometimes if you see kids being bullied, they'll say, "Oh, I didn't. I don't mind. It's okay. It's just a joke. I, I like it." And we tell the adults in charge to say, "This behavior is not safe, and it's not okay with me," because they they identify with the person who's bullying them. They want to belong, and they try to fix the situation by joining in some way with that person or by being friendly. And, uh, and so you know, I thought it was a, an excellent report, and I was so glad that uh, this came out in the open in the way that it did. It was, it was uh, remarkable. You know, Irene, you've you've said before that in a, in a bullying situation, there are, three kind of, there are three roles. There's the bully, the bullied, and the bystander. And there were a lot of bystanders on the Miami Dolphins team. I mean, everybody, the players, uh, certainly knew this was going on. Certainly, the members of the the offensive line, uh, they they basically did nothing, or or worse. What what do bystanders do? 
I mean, do we want bystanders to go in and punch somebody? What what should a bystander um, who sees bullying do? Well, we want them first of all to do to make safe choices, and it depends on the situation what the safe choice is. Safe choice can be to say, cut it out. That's not safe. That's not cool in the moment if you feel strong enough to do that. And uh, it can be to go and say to the person later, I felt terrible about what I saw. That's not okay here. And uh, let's go and report it together. I will go with you. Or if the person won't go, because a lot of times people will say, no, 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 it's not that bad, really, uh, it don't, I don't, I'm afraid it will make things worse, then you go and you report it. If you feel that you can't uh, address the person directly, the person who's being bullied, then you still go and you say to somebody in a position of authority, this isn't okay, this is against our values. And if one person doesn't listen, you go right up the chain of command till you find somebody who does. This is hard to do. I think that, that uh, uh, it's hard for adults to do, and it's also really hard for kids to do. And yet we give by practicing the words to say that don't condemn the other person as being evil, but talk about their behavior rather than their intentions, and the words to say to persist and the understanding that allowing, um, you know, a situation that is, if you're a team, then you're responsible for what happens on that team. And, uh, and, and, and making it part of upholding your values as a team, being, uh, being something that you have the tools to do and the recognition that you really have the responsibility to do it and that you develop the courage to do. Yeah, and the, the the kind of courage we're talking about here, it may be physical courage, but we talk a lot about moral courage, moral courage going against, standing up for something that you think is right when you're going against your tribe, your family, your team, the people that, that you're part of, uh, and that's often the hardest thing to do. Um, again, I think what you said about uh, Jonathan Martin and how how courageous he had to be, and I'm just so delighted that the uh, 49ers picked him up, and I hope he has a, um, just a fabulous, uh, a fabulous career. Uh, you know, you, you may not be an NFL football fan uh, or a college football fan, Irene, but uh, Jonathan yeah. Martin was an awesome college football player, um, and he, uh, you know, the result of his being bullied was he wasn't adding any value to the Miami Dolphins when he could have. That's just a that's just a shame. Well, I'm I'm glad, and and I think he'll he'll he's done a lot of good, and I and I also wish him an amazingly successful career. I want to. Um, um, this has been fabulous, and uh, as I knew it would be from knowing you and having worked with you. Um, I want to go back just for a second to family members uh, because you know you you've pointed out when I said, you know, it might be a coach or, you know, a minister or whatever, choir leader, whatever, and you said it could be family members too. And um, I remember, uh, uh, you know, Virginia Woolf, uh, the famous writer, wrote a book called A Room of My Own, and it turned out uh, that her brother had been sexually abusing her from a very early age, and she 
you know, eventually committed suicide. And I think very often, um, you know, either sexual abuse or just physical abuse, uh, bullying in the in the family, sometimes by an older kid, perhaps sometimes just gets overlooked. If you're if you're a parent and you're concerned that there might be some bullying going on in your own family, what what do you what do you look for and what do you do? Whether you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a neighbor or a um, a cousin or a sister or a brother, what you do is you understand that child abuse, whether it's through neglect, physical abuse, or sexual abuse, or emotional abuse, which is that kind of bullying, is, is harmful. It's harmful in the short run. It hurts in the short run, but it can also create those adverse childhood experiences that can, uh, without help, can harm somebody throughout their life. And that it is your responsibility to, this is like a silent epidemic, it's, it's your responsibility to speak up, to get help, to report it, to go to the police, to, uh, to, to listen to the child, to get the child out of the dangerous situation, to do everything you can. And that's why we say to tell, that we encourage all adults to be protectors of the children in our lives to really pay attention, to not say it couldn't be this person, it, that, that's, it couldn't happen here, um, but to really be a, uh, a protector who is going to encourage the child to talk about problems and to take action when those problems are the kinds of things that we know are deeply damaging and that are illegal. You know, Irene, um, the April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and uh, I, I think uh, a good uh, place to end this interview is what you just said, repeating it. All adults need to be protectors of children, um, and not just our own biological children, not just the kids on our team, but be looking out for the safety of every every kid, even uh, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, Irene, I just I admire so much what you've done with Kid Power, and uh, it's really a pleasure to to have a partnership with Kid Power and Positive Coaching Alliance. And I'm just really delighted that you're part of the PCA movement, and PCA is part of the Kid Power movement. Yes, well, I feel the same way. I am uh, thrilled with what you do. I feel like it's making a tremendous difference in so many lives. I am excited about the videos we've done. We will be uh, telling everybody about them during Child Abuse Prevention Month as well as, as at other times, and uh look forward to keep working with you. Thank you very much, Irene. Take care well, now. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for joining us on this episode of PCA One-on-One. Be sure to visit PositiveCoach.org to download more podcasts.